0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roner Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Roner Park area.
1: Oh, well, good morning. If I could have a couple of men, please distribute the study sheets this morning. I appreciate it. While they're doing that take your Bibles with me turn to Romans chapter three Romans chapter three well let's let's look at romans chapter three we um I embarked on a study many months ago um, on the grace of God and it is such an all encompassing subject I mean the grace of God penetrates every aspect of our life and uh, there's really nothing af- as as af- after we are children of God, there's really nothing in our life that does not stem through and from the grace of God. So we, uh, it's a very encompassed study, but uh, we, we've, we've covered many sec- uh, different sections already of the grace of God. Last, last time we met, we, uh, we began discussing the diversities of grace, the many, the many aspects of God's grace, and we looked at the truth that grace is the source of our call from God. And uh, it is by God's grace that we are what we are. That's what Paul said. I am what I am, but by the grace of God. And God has called all of us. He's called every one of us into his service in some aspect. He hasn't called all to be pastors. He hasn't called all necessarily to stand in a pulpit and, and preach and teach. But we've all been called to preach. We've all been called to preach the gospel to everyone we meet. To everyone we see. We've all been called into sonship. We've all been called into fellowship. Uh, all these many aspects of our call from God. But this morning, I'd like to continue along the lines of the diversity of God's grace by examining the next point on my list, and that is number two, God's grace is the source of our justification. God's grace is the source of our justification. Let's pray before we, we go any further. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us. I pray now that you would instruct us from your word. Give us wisdom as we as we study these, these passages of scripture this morning concerning this matter of our justification. Help us to understand and, Father, to have the proper foundation in this truth we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I said God's grace is the source of our justification. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. We read being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, I want us to understand this morning that justification, and and this is a very misunderstood um, doctrine, the doctrine of our justification. It's very misunderstood by many different religions. But I want us to understand this primarily, justification does not come by law. If you get nothing else that I say this morning, get that. Justification does not come by law. Why do we have laws? We have laws uh, to, to, to guideline and outline acceptable behavior, right? Would we agree on that? That's what laws are for. They're to set boundaries, to set standards, to, to, to identify what is and is not acceptable. Um, laws were never written or designed to justify criminal activity. Right? Not, the law doesn't justify the criminal. What does it do? It condemns him. And it convicts him. Attorneys use the law to convict a, a criminal. They use the law to condemn a criminal. Never was law intended as justification. So, if if I'm involved in a religion that uses uh, that uses the, the the law of God and and the Ten Commandments and and human works as justification for my my uh, entrance into the throne of grace, then then I'm I've, I'm not going to get there, am I? Because the law never meant, was never meant to save. The law was never intended to justify. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul writes this. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ... And not by the works of the law, Paul says for the by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, so we need to understand this morning we are in no by no means justified by the law of God. God's law was never intended to redeem us, it was never intended to justify anything that we do or say. it is simply. Uh, it, it is by faith in Jesus Christ alone that we are justified by, the, by faith in his sacrifice at Calvary so I want to first of all properly define the term justification before I, I try to um, understand it before I try to understand anything I've got to define it what is it well justification by definition and I have this on your sheet Justification is the remission of sin and absolution from guilt and punishment. That that is the definition of justification. It is the remission of sin and the absolution from guilt and punishment. It is by a, a free act of grace given by God the Father unto those... Whom he has called unto repentance. It's an act of free grace by which God pardons the sinner. And accepts him as righteous. Based upon the atonement of Christ. Now, given this definition of justification this morning. There are, there are two words that I want to consider. The first word is this. The first bullet on your sheet is remission. 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 Now remission is, is forgiveness. It, it is to be pardoned. It is, it, it is the release from the punishment due to a crime as the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 10 in verse 42 and 43, Paul writes, or or, I'm sorry, Luke writes, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now let's, let's consider this word remission for a moment. Uh, one of the worst things we could ever hear from our physician is for him to say you have cancer. Of course, that's, that's the one thing probably we all dread, right? But one thing we enjoy hearing from our physician is, well, your cancer is in what? Remission. remission. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that mean you don't have any more cancer in your body? No, it doesn't, does it? It simply means it's, it's in remission. It's, it's under control. It's dormant. It's different if he comes and says, if he came to you and said, all of your cancer has been eradicated. Uh, now that's great, because that means it's gone. There's no more. It's out of there completely. It's history. Bye-bye. Sayonara. All those, all those great terms. And, and by the way, our sin nature is in remission. Do you understand that? It's in remission. It's under control. It's still there it's just not imputed to us because God has, God has pardoned it he has forgiven it he's put it in remission he's put it under control and put it aside oh but looking for that glorious day when Jesus will descend with his angels and we will meet him in the clouds in the air and Paul says that day in which this corruptible will put on incorruption Huh? at that day guess what sin will be eradicated from us but right now it's just in remission so we need to remember that Uh, every day that's why it's so important every day as a believer that we Paul says daily he brings his body into subjection he buffets his body daily and 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 brings it into submission because we still live with that sinful nature and and I've known a lot of Christians who tend to forget that and they think that they've got sin whipped and you don't have sin whipped. You don't have the flesh whipped. It takes but a moment for God's child to fall into horrible sin. And we need to understand that. But it is by his grace that we overcome this. When, when I was saved, when I got saved, God gave me... He inoculated me, if you will. And put my sin into remission in my body so long... As I submit and yield to his Holy Spirit. Remission does not make me blameless. It doesn't make me any less guilty. In fact, the free release of judgment uh, is due to the propitiation of another. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 25 we read, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood... To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul writes, For he hath made him, him being Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who never knew sin. Jesus never sinned, he never knew sin, but God made him sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. That's what it means when we say we are hid in Christ. Jesus has covered us with his own righteousness. His own cloak of righteousness. So that when God looks at us. He sees the righteousness of his son. Not the filth that I am. Remission is a pardon. It's a release from judgment. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, we read, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's a pardon. Now, we have to take heed here. We have to be careful lest we misunderstand this truth this morning. The remission of sins we enjoy today is accounted unto us Because of the purity of and the offering of Christ Jesus' death and shed blood as payment for my sins. I enjoy this remission today. I enjoy this pardon from the the guilt of my own sin. I receive this not because of any righteousness in me, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, my Savior, whom God has ordained to suffer and die in my place. It is in this that we are justified. But there is a second word in in the definition of justification that we looked at this morning, and it too must be considered, and that is the word absolution. So we said that justification was the remission of sins and the absolution of the punishment. Now absolution uh, is an acquittal. It's a pronouncement or sentence of a judge declaring an accused person innocent um, when a when a criminal stands in trial and the judge finds him innocent, he absolves him of that crime he 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 tell he he passes absolution upon Uh, That criminal for that particular crime. Uh, While remission gives us forgiveness. Absolution gives us an acquittal. Because you see God can forgive us of our sin. I mean. A criminal commits a criminal act. Okay. And he's in trial. And he, he begs forgiveness of the court. The judge can say the court forgives you. But the payment is still due. There still needs to be punishment for the crime. As you understand there's a difference between saying I forgive you and I absolve you. Okay? So, if all we have is forgiveness, then we still have the punishment to deal with. But that this is where God's justification comes into play. The, the, the part in which we are absolved. We are given an acquittal. In other words, remission pronounces our debt as paid... However, absolution pronounces us innocent of the guilt of, of the punishment involved. We are innocent before God today. If you sit here this morning and you are truly a, a child of God, you are innocent as you sit before God today. Remember, he said, he remembers our sins no more. He has separated them from us as far as the east is from the west. When, when we sit there and think about and, and meditate upon our past sins the lord is is is, is ha, pays no attention to that because he's already it's already gone he's already taken care of it and he won't bring it back i've i've counseled a lot of married couples over the years and i've told them this i said leave the skeletons buried in the backyard huh when you settle an argument, bury it, forget about it, go on with your life. Next time you get in an argument, don't go dig up all the skeletons in the backyard and bring them up again because you'll never settle anything that way. God is not a skeleton digger. Okay? He doesn't bring up the things from our past. He doesn't, he doesn't bring them up and throw them in our face. Uh, he, he forgives us afresh and anew when we are his children. And he absolves us of the of the punishment, because it was all taken care of way back on Calvary when he judged my sins on his Son on the cross. We're innocent before God today, but not by virtue of our own works, or by virtue of our own righteousness, or for any worth of value seen in us. Romans seven, Paul says, "For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing." For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Inside of you, as you sit here this morning, there's no good. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you by saying that, but there's no good in you. Regardless of how good you may be, there is no good in you. And there's no good in me, and we need to understand that. Uh, We're innocent before God today because God has bestowed upon us his glorious grace. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That's right. We are innocent before God today, but we're innocent because of his grace. Not because of what we are or what we can do. We are innocent before God today because absolution and remission are the benefits of justification. And justification is a work of God's grace. Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 31, Paul writes, What shall we then say to these things? He writes, If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. And our justification comes by God the Father. Paul's, um, consider Paul's admonishment to the church at Corinth. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he, he writes this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, he says, such were some of you. But... There's that little three-letter word. But, he says, ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So God's grace is the source of our justification. You and I, as we stand or sit in this room today, we are justified before God. Not by ourselves. Not by our work. We are justified by God himself. He has justified you. He has chosen you. He has called you. He has saved you. And he has justified you. In his own sight. So grace is the source of our call from God. It is the source of our justification. But then number three today. I'd like us us to consider that God's grace Is the source of our faith. It is the source. Of our faith. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works. Lest any man. Shall shall boast. Should boast. Now, in this statement here, the the phrase, the subphrase, and that not of yourselves, is a modifier of the subject of the first clause. We're going to have a little English lesson here today. That is a modifying phrase, and it modifies the subject of the first clause. Now, who can tell me what the subject of the first clause is? It's grace for by grace are you saved through faith now faith is also uh the the um a participle of of grace so the faith that we have to receive the grace of god is the is the modif is the subject and is the subject in which the second phrase modifies so it's talking about our faith what Paul is saying is you are saved by grace through a faith that is not your own but one that was given to you by God the Father for you see as natural men we can have no faith in God how can we exhibit faith in he in whom we do not believe and how can we believe except we hear and how can we hear except one be sent now these are God's words themselves. Our faith comes by God the Father. None of us have the faith that it takes to trust in the God as our, as our sole source of, of salvation. Unless that faith was given to us by God the Father himself through his immaculous grace. Listen to the, listen to the commentary notes of John Gill. One of the the greatest commentators of, of, of human history. He says, Salvation is through faith, not as a cause or condition of salvation, or as what adds anything to the blessing itself, but it is the way or means or instrument which God has appointed for the receiving and enjoying it, that so it might appear to be all of grace, And this faith is not the produce of man's free will and power, but it is the free gift of God. And therefore, salvation through it, faith, is consistent with salvation by grace, since that itself is of grace. So John Gill says here that salvation is produced in our our lives by faith. But not faith that is produced by our own understanding, our own volition, or our 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 own work. But it is a gift. God enables us to believe. And this has been this has been what our our Baptist forefathers have believed since John stood in the Jordan River baptizing. And, and even today, our. Our Baptist brethren agree wholeheartedly that salvation is of faith, not of works. But the disagreement lies in where does this, where, where, what is the source of this faith? This is where the disagreement lies. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here today and necessarily try to uh, tell you what to believe. You need, you need to. You need to search the scriptures and you need to find in your own thoughtful studies with God what the truth is concerning this. But all scripture points toward faith, the, the faith of our salvation coming from God. It is the source of his own grace to us. The position of our Baptist forefathers in the 18th century, as stated by John Gill, was this, that faith is not the produce of man's free will and power, but it is the free gift of God, and therefore salvation through it is consistent with salvation by grace, since that itself is of grace, lies entirely in receiving grace, and gives all the glory to the grace of God. The faith that you and I exhibit in God is not founded in our ability to, To choose for or against Christ. It is in fact a free gift. It's a gift bestowed upon men by God the Father. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly. Now listen to this. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And by every man there, he's not meaning every man in, in humankind. He's meaning every man that, upon whom God has set his will and purpose to save. It is God who gives us the measure of faith. This is why, This is why some men have no faith at all. I mean, if we consider the truth that not all men have faith, then to assume that faith is the result of man's, of man's own efforts, then we would have to assume that some men have, have a worth above other men. Right? I mean, if we're going to say, well, if I'm going to sit here and say John has faith, and I don't, and he can, he can muster the faith to be saved by his own volition, and I can't, then I would have to say John is a more, in God's eyes, John is a more valuable person than me. Because he's able to, without God's help, or without God's gift, he's able to believe, whereas I'm not. Therefore, John, in God's eyes, would be greater than me. But that's not scripture. Because the Bible tells us um, that this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none to do with good, no, not one. And in God's eyes, we are all equal. We're all the same. We're all sinners. We're all lost. None of us have any worth. None of us have any value. Now, modernists today don't want you to believe that. They want you to say, no, no, you have great self-value. You have great self-esteem. You have great worth in the eyes of God. Truth is, we don't have any worth in the eyes of God. We are worthless. So, if, I, if that's true, then how am I going to muster the faith to believe unless it is God that grants me, as he said, as Paul said, God who gives the measure of faith to all men. So, it is God that imparts the faith. So, we can't we can't uh gen- we can't give ourselves credit for having faith. Faith is a byproduct of the grace of God. It is God who who gives us the faith to believe and not ourselves. So we are left then with the truth that faith is a gift from God and this gift is not dispersed arbitrarily. He doesn't he doesn't sprinkle it out over the earth like like snowflakes and say, okay, some men will get it, some men won't. No. It's not done arbitrarily, but deliberately. God's grace is distributed deliberately according to his sovereign will and his purpose. And it is for the purpose of redeeming to himself his elect saints. Second Timothy chapter 1, he writes, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It is this deliberate distribution of the grace of God that gives the glory and salvation to God and God alone. If salvation is by any other source than the grace of God, then it must be considered an act or an action of another. So, if John has the faith on his own volition to be saved, then his salvation was not of God. Do you understand that? If he Under his own, in his own nature, under his own authority, awakens and says, "I believe in God." Then God had nothing to do with it, did He? So there's no glory to God. There's no grace of God upon him. He he believed. He came to God all by himself with no volition of God and said, "God, I believe." And there isn't any man that's ever going to do that. Because the nature of man is against God. We cannot have it both ways. Paul said uh, uh, in Romans chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, he says, Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But... If it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, that sounds a little confusing. But what Paul is saying is you can't have it both ways. If, if John can get saved without, without God gifting him the grace to believe, then it's not of grace, it's of work. Okay? And that's all he's saying. You can't you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't believe in the grace of God yet believe in the in the in the in the works of man as as being sufficient for justification, for his faith, for salvation. We cannot have it both work, both ways. We cannot offer God a part in our salvation while reserving a part for our own self. We must relinquish all of salvation under the grace of God, or we either retain salvation for ourself. So then if we concede, if we concede that salvation uh, is according to the sovereign will and purpose of God, then we can say, I am redeemed by faith in Christ, which has been given to me as a gift from God, according to the grace given me by God through the death of his Son and the work of his Holy Spirit. And basically, this is a paraphrase of what Paul said when he said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast, so we we need to understand that god 's grace is the source of our faith. Now, once we are saved and empowered by Christ, we are taught how to live by faith by the Holy Spirit, but even the faith that we exhibit in our daily lives is is. From God, it is the gift of God. It is God enabling you and I to continue to walk in faith. Otherwise, we'd be overcome by the, the care. And this is what Jesus talked about when he talked about the sowers. Remember the sower sowing the seed, and he said some some uh, seeds fell by the wayside and 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 uh, and some fell on stony places, right? And when they, they had no root. So when the sun came and the dries and the cares of the world came along, they, they withered up and died. And you see, that's people, that, that's an illustration of those who try to live by faith, which does not come from God. My ability to face every day and my ability to do it with God's faith is not from myself. It's from him. It's his gift. It's, it's by the grace of God that I have the faith. To live. He, he, matter of fact Paul said the just shall what? Life. Shall live by faith. faith. The just. Those who are justified in God's eyes. That's his, that's his children. That's his elect saints. Those who are justified live by faith. And we live by that faith because God has enabled us to do so. The, the faith, Our faith comes from God not from ourselves. Not from our own experiences, not from our own, our own understandings, not from our own knowledge. Our faith comes from God the Father. It is His to give to us. It's a free gift. Now, men have a have a semblance of what we call faith. Yes, men do have a semblance of faith, but it's not divine faith. It's not the kind of faith we're talking about. I mean. Uh, a man who, who does something over and over and over again develops a sort of a faith, if you will, in the result because of experience. But is, that type of thing is never going to lead him. I think you all understand this. That's, he, he's not going to survive the onslaught of the flesh and, and the spirit of the Antichrist and, and the world and the devil by that type of faith. It's just not going to happen. We, we become overwhelmed and overcome. But there again, Paul said what? We overcome by what? We overcome the world by, by our faith. Yes. But do we have that kind of faith? No. Where do we get that kind of faith? From the Father. Through his grace. By his grace. What I'm doing with this study is trying to help you to understand that there is an aspect of your life that isn't affected by the grace of God. You know, we talk about, and I'm going to close, but we talk about the grace of God, and we talk about it so shallowly. The the grace of God is beyond our comprehension. The depth of God's grace is... We'll, we'll never understand it until we see him face to face. I've spent many years, actually. I've spent years writing this study. And I've spent years teaching this study. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I still don't know anything about the grace of God. So little. Because his grace is... It's like the love of a mother for her child. It's so deep. It, it's, there's no words that can truly... Define it. Truly explain it. And you, you mamas sitting here. You know, you know what I'm talking about. When you, when you look back and think about how much you love your kids. You yourself can't even properly frame it. And this is the grace of God. It is so wonderful. He, God's grace is the source of our, of our call from salvation. It's the source of our call. It's the source of our justification. And it's the source of our faith. And, folks, we're just getting started. There's a lot more to, to talk about when we talk about the grace of God. All right, folks. I'm sure I've generated, Brother Kazensky asked me earlier if I field questions. I'm sure I've generated a lot of questions for Pastor's Forum class. So uh, we'll go ahead and dismiss.
0: Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church,